the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David, is it present or future? That is the question of the hour, as they say. There's an interesting portion of Scripture. You'll find it in the book of Acts. We're going to take a look at uh, a part of chapter 14, and mostly we'll spend it in chapter 15 in this uh, teaching here. So it has to do with a dispute that uh, took place between uh, the Apostle Paul and others regarding the need for the Gentiles to be circumcised in order uh, to be saved. Now keep in mind that the Apostle Paul was Jewish himself. He was a staunch opponent to Christ and his followers for, for a very long time, and he persecuted them severely, arresting some, uh, causing some to blaspheme, putting some to death, and so on. So that was severe persecution that was taking place, but then he got saved. You know the story. You can read that in Acts chapter 9 and other chapters, other parts in the book of Acts also. So let's go to Acts chapter 14. Let's look at verses 27 and 28. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. So this is taking place, by the way, at Antioch, okay? Antioch was the place, if you remember, where they first called the disciples Christians, So verse uh, 1, next chapter 15, it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So here we have uh, Paul and Barnabas. They're excited. They're telling stories about the Gentiles, what the Lord was doing, the miracles that were taking place. And now a group, uh, certain men came down from Judea and started teaching them and said, look, guys, you know, except ye be circumcised, you know, after the manner of Moses, you can't be saved. And now Paul and Barnabas obviously stood up against that. It says there was no small dissension and disputation with them. So this thing uh, obviously got very heated and they had a problem. You know, this group is saying you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And the other group is saying, hold on, hold your horses. <laughs> what, what are you doing here? So they came up with a plan. I said, look, you guys... And, and others, go up to Jerusalem, speak with the apostles, speak with the elders about this question and see what they can uh, say and what they, uh, how they can help you regarding this. So let's go to verse um, 3 now. It says, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So 
what we have here, basically, the, the whole argument is just switch cities, okay? Now they got at it again. This group is saying they have to be circumcised, keep the law, and the other group is saying, no, no, they don't. So this was a, a battle that was taking place that was getting heated again. And keep in mind, folks, that, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, also written by this same apostle Paul, this is what he had to say. He said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Keep that in mind, folks, when you're dealing with this topic of circumcision, when you're dealing with the law and keeping the law and this is bondage, folks, and there are, there are different cults out there that, that are pushing this stuff even in our day. So let's go to Acts 15, verse 6. It says, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So keep in mind that they were sent to Jerusalem. They said, go inquire of the apostles, of the elders, and see what you can uh, get from these guys, okay? So in other words, they want to know what's your fix on this whole thing. How can we solve this problem? So here we have Peter. It says he rose up. And now he, keep in mind, he was one of the original apostles, so uh, this is good. He rose up and said, hey, guys, do you remember uh, that I was chosen by God, that, that, they, that the Gentiles out of my mouth would hear the word of the gospel and believe? So Peter's saying, look, guys, I preached to them. I preached the word to them, preached the gospel to them, and they believed. So this is, this is where he's heading. And let's go to verse 8. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, don't miss this, folks. Peter's standing up. He's defending the gospel. He says, look, God knows the hearts, okay? He gave the Gentiles the Holy Ghost the same way he gave the Holy Ghost to us. He put no difference between us and them. Listen, purifying their hearts by faith. So right here, folks, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, Peter makes it very clear that there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile on how they get saved, that their hearts are purified by faith faith. And he makes it clear that God is the one who is doing the whole thing. He says, God knows the heart. Okay. So keep that in mind. Also, that's how a person gets saved, folks. Folks, you, you hear the word of God preached. You hear the gospel preached. You receive it by faith. You say, I believe. You know, you recognize you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You, you realize you need to get saved. Very simple. And God will save you if, if obviously, if you come to him, uh, 
by faith. And it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. And listen to me now, that applies today. The same way that they were getting saved back then, ladies and gentlemen, is the same way people get saved today. The heart is purified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you be Jew or Gentile, includes the whole world. Don't miss that. So look at this in verse uh, 10 now. It says, Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So, you know, Peter's really nailing it here, folks. He, he's, he's not holding anything back. He says, listen, guys, don't try to tempt God. That's, that's tough language, folks. That's severe language. Don't you dare try to tempt God and put the Gentiles under the bondage of the law that neither our fathers nor we, we couldn't even keep this law that you're talking about. And now you want to put it on them? You see, this is serious stuff, folks, that was taking place here. And he made it very clear that, that he says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they, meaning the Gentiles. So once again, the Jew gets saved the same way as the Gentile, zero difference. So I like what takes place next, uh, chapter 15, verse 12. It says, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles. So, so it is silence now. Peter was talking unto the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and, and, and the people knew it. That's why their mouths were stopped right then and there. So now we have Barnabas and Paul once again making their case, and they're talking about the miracles. They're talking about the wonders that God had done among the Gentiles by them. So God was using these two to, to preach the word to the Gentiles. People are getting saved and God's doing miracles. He's doing wonders in the midst of them, folks. This is beautiful. So, so they're making a stand here. Keep in mind, they want the answer. What, what, what should we do here? So verse 13, it says, And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, and this is talking about Peter, had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree, the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Now, important part here, folks. So now, Paul and Barnabas, they held their peace, so they remained silent. Now James, he takes uh, his turn, and he picks it up where they left off. And look what he does. He ties the Old Testament prophets to what was taking place right then and there among the Gentiles. So he, he makes it clear, you know, how Peter spoke to the Gentiles, and, and he's making it clear that the prophets prophesied of this very thing. This whole movement among the Gentiles was prophesied 
by the prophets, and then he speaks and quotes from the prophet Amos. And I'm going to go to Amos right now just to show you that it was the same thing he was talking about. And that would be found in Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. It says, In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. So, James is making it clear that what was taking place was prophesied right there in the Old Testament by the prophet Amos. And he says, hey guys, what you see happening the Gentiles are getting saved. This is what is taking place right here. Don't miss this, folks. Oh, yes. So God calls out the Gentiles. He's calling the people for his name. And James makes it clear in verse 15. He says, And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Now, verse 16, where it says, after this, folks, when Amos prophesied this, he was talking about what was taking place right there at that time. Now, modern-day teachers such as uh, C.I. Schofield, you know that, C.I. Schofield, the Schofield Bible, in that 1909 Bible in the Schofield Bible notes, what, what Mr. Schofield does, he uh, leapfrogs basically over the what, what they would call the church age, and he goes into the future millennium. That's the 1,000 year of uh, Jewish reign, which they believe is coming. And let me give you the quote here from right from his Bible. It says, after this, the outcalling, I will return. James quotes from Amos 9, 11, and 12. The verses which follow in Amos's describe the final regathering of Israel, which the other prophets invariably connect with the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And then next, then he says, and will build again the tabernacle of David, reestablish the Davidic rule over Israel. So what, what Schofield is doing He's uh, uh, propelling this prophecy of Amos into the future. So uh, the New Testament writers, ladies and gentlemen, don't do that. They're making it clear, no, this, this was for the church age. This was for the church and was fulfilled. And what happens, folks, uh, what a lot of these um, modern-day writers, teachers do, they take prophecies that were filled, fulfilled by uh, the church, and, and they put it into a future millennium. Oh, yes, and that's what's taking place right there. W.J. Greer, in his book, The Momentous Event, said this. He said, no future Jewish kingdom. The New Testament has nothing to say about a return of the Jews to the land with Christ reigning on a throne at Jerusalem over a kingdom in which the Jews will have a national pre eminence. Oh boy. So very dangerous with uh, some of these modern day uh, people such as Schofield and Darby and, and many others in our own modern day, what they do. So let's get back to the book of Acts chapter 15, 
verses 17 to 19, it says that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So basically this was the solution to the problem. I said, look guys, don't, don't trouble the Gentiles. In other words, don't put this bondage of keeping the law upon them. Don't put this bondage of having them circumcised. Uh, don't, don't do this, okay? Don't do that to them. And it's very interesting, folks, uh, that he would say such a thing. Now, it's important that you realize, folks, that the modern-day church, now I'm talking about believers who are saved, people, uh, men and women who have been born again of the Spirit, we are part of the body of Christ. We're part of the church of God. But did you know that in the Old Testament, basically, they were a church. The word church, ecclesia, it means called out ones. So if you take a look at Acts chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, it says, This is that Moses was said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai or Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us to whom our fathers would not obey but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. So I like that, folks. He, it's talking about Moses and Moses is prophesying that uh, God was going to raise up a prophet, and he says, you're going to listen to him. Him shall you hear. Basically, he was prophesying of Jesus Christ himself. Obviously, Christ is more than a prophet. And then speaking of Moses, he says, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness. So, so even in the Old Testament, folks, they call the church. Beautiful. So what we have here, the Old Testament rolled right into the New Testament, folks, we are part of the church. Moses, he's my brother in Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to meeting him one day. Hallelujah. He's a brother in Christ. Hallelujah. So it's very important you see that, folks. Let me give you a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea, or yes. For all the promises of God in him, meaning in Christ, are yea or yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Folks, this gospel, it's all about Jesus Christ. All the promises are yea and amen in Christ. Hallelujah. Folks, the prophecies, it's all about Christ. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. In Acts chapter 26, verses 19 to 21, uh, this is, was when Paul was giving his testimony before King Agrippa. Now, keep in mind that the Lord told Ananias uh, that he, meaning Paul, would testify before kings, Gentiles, 
and the children of Israel. You'll find that in uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. That's beautiful. So here, this is a fulfillment of that prophecy that the Lord spoke to uh, Ananias. He said, look, go, go to this man, Saul, obviously a surname Paul, and I'm going to use him for my glory, and he's going to testify before kings, before Gentiles, before the children of Israel, folks, and it's exactly what took place. So now Paul is testifying before King Agrippa. Verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, meaning when Christ spoke to him out of heaven, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Let me stop there. So Paul's testifying, and he's, he's telling people how to get saved, obviously. And he went into the temple, you know, preaching the same thing, and they wanted to kill him. Now, keep this in mind. These are the same people that used to run with Paul. Paul used to run with them, I should say. So he, they used to persecute Christians. So now Paul gets saved, and now he's telling them, look, guys, you need to repent. You need to get saved. This is beautiful. So what would they do? The natural progression, they wanted to kill him. You see, folks? Now, let, let's get this straight. Were they saved? Absolutely not. They needed to be saved. Paul got saved. So now the flesh has always persecuted the spirit. So the, 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 many of them were probably demon-possessed. They went to kill him. They wanted to kill him. They, they would not listen to what he had to say. Why? Because he was preaching Christ, and they hated Christ, just like Paul did before the Lord saved his soul. Verse 22, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Now, don't miss this. So Paul is now continuing his testimony to this king, Agrippa. And he says, look, I'm witnessing to everybody. doesn't matter who they are, small, great. And I'm not saying anything different than what the prophets and Moses did say should come. All of the prophets in the Old Testament, folks, they prophesied of Christ. So when he came, this was the fulfillment of exactly what he said would come. It's all about Christ. You want to get saved? It's all about Christ. Don't look for some future millennium, folks. It's all about Christ right now. Hallelujah. Just like it was right now then, it's right now, now. Hallelujah. So that's what he's making it. It's making it so clear to them, ladies and gentlemen. So it doesn't matter who you are, uh, what your past is, you too can be saved. You can be Charlie the con man, okay? Patty the prostitute. You can be saved. And when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are part of what we would call the tabernacle of David. It, it, the tabernacle of David is a spiritual tabernacle. 
We can call it the temple of God. We can call it the household of God. Hallelujah. You're part of God's people. You're part of the body of Christ. And that is exactly what was taking place there. So I want you to see that, folks. Remember the question, uh, the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. Is it present or future? Folks, the answer to that question is quite obvious. It is present it is now, wherever the gospel is being preached, people are coming in. Whether they be Jewish or Gentile, they are coming in. Every nation all over the world, as the word is going forth, whether it be on a radio or a television program or out on the street or somebody reading their Bible, it doesn't matter. They're coming in when they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to leave it right there, folks. You be blessed and have a great day.